Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. What is up, podcast world? Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where we talk about hustle, grind, success, failure, all of those things in my journey and some others along the way. What is up? Welcome to episode 110. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to me. If I've brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit subscribe. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you want to hear more of, and please be sure to share the podcast. I can't begin to tell you how much this stuff means to me. Sincerely, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hashdash. Cannabis can be complex. Which product is right for me? Which fulfills my needs? It can be overwhelming to know where to start and how to navigate the sea of product offerings. Hashdash leverages a unique algorithm that matches you to the right cannabis products based on your profile. If you're a cannabis consumer and want to explore their value add and an opportunity to sign up for their free beta release, visit hashdash.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Hashdash and on Instagram at Hashdash.com. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast, Joanne Von Born, a certified professional coach, trainer, and a speaker for professional and personal development. We cover a lot of material in this episode, specifically around mindfulness, creativity, and purpose over survival. I hope you all find so much value in today's episode. Joanne, welcome to the podcast. I'm absolutely fired up. The first time we spoke, I, I was just amped to to get to know you um, and just your mindset. And I can't thank you enough for, for being on the podcast today. And most importantly, just sharing your wisdom. So thanks for jumping on and, and sharing your time. All right. Well, thank you, Scott, for having me. I'm super excited as well. Love it. Um, to give listeners just some some color, and for those that are are not familiar with your work or you uh, or your story, can you give us your background? What I would like to call your your origin story, if you will. Okay, great. Well, um, I've been a coach for five years. I have my own company, but prior to that, for twenty five years in my career, I was in business development. Mostly for most of my career, I published a magazine. So I was very business oriented, mostly in sales and business development and leadership roles, uh, different uh, industries, uh, yachting, um, corporate mindfulness and hospitality. So I wasn't dedicated to one industry. I jumped around. I looked for interesting opportunities where I could expand my abilities but I was always interested in professional and personal development. It was just a pet, a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And so towards this part of my career, I decided that I was going to make it a business. Love it. Love and it. I did that about five years ago. Love it. 
Love it. Yeah, you you have a very fascinating just story and set of experiences. I always love to pick, pick people's brains because I think it's it's interesting where we all come from because there's such unique little areas that, you know, I think the first time we spoke, who would have thought 25 years ago you would be sitting in this, the the chair you're sitting in today? And so I always find it just fascinating the opportunities that we have in life. And when, you know, I think that that biggest, most important component is being able to actually go and get it and, and taking mm. the action behind the word, the words. And what I find just truly fascinating is your work with executive coaching just in general. It's very interesting. I'm a, a VP of sales myself and, you know, mindset in, in mindfulness, it's not really the centerpiece, um, you know, at least from my experience amongst an, a number of leaders, but yet it's the fabric that literally makes a great leader, leader in my opinion. And so I'm extremely curious, as, as are, I'm sure, the listeners, through your amazing journey, you've obviously created a, a wealth of happiness and success. And I tie those things, those together. And for a lot of people, this can take years and some even push through life, not really understanding or truly understanding the great unlocks that we're going to dive into today. What do you think was that greatest unlock during the start of your journey that you really honed into and said, I think there's something here? Um, You mean when I started my journey as a coach or in... Uh, in, 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 in life, life in general. Yeah. So really the catalyst for me is even though I have a very professional business experience, I'm actually a creative person. So when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an actress. That was my dream. Um, but when I was time to go to college, my mom was not paying for drama school. <laughs> I had to have something sensible, um, which I did. I got a business degree, but creativity was really who I was. But I didn't really know how to use that. I just thought that was just kind of a fun side of me. So after I graduated from college with my business degree and I got a regular job, I also decided that I was going to pursue my desire to be an actress. So I also enrolled in an acting conservatory and I actually studied how to be an act, you know, acting technique. And what I learned from that was my creativity was really about learning about human behavior. So when you study acting, that's really what you learn. So to play a character in a realistic way on screen or on the stage, you really have to get into the head of the person. So you have to know why they do what they do, what's motivating them, so on and so forth. Well, I found that so fascinating that I just loved it. And it was creative because what I realized is that we're just all creative creatures, you know, from what our experiences, the way we think all creates the next moment. So if you really want to be a good actress or actor, that's how you're playing a character. You're recognizing that everything that you're thinking, doing, and reflecting on your past is now going to create the next moment. So, of course, acting is a microcosm of what actually happens in life. So that just led to the next stage of development for me. I thought, wow, you know, that's how life works. So I, that really launched me in just into personal development, which was always my passion, you know, which took me to coaching later on in my career. But really, for me, the catalyst for everything was studying acting, mm. which is really just the study of human behavior. Mm. I, I I love that. You know, the the first time we had spoke, I human behavior is fascinating to me, psychology and mm-hmm. especially just, you know, in, in sales, you're dealing with a lot of it, right? You're in front of people, you're reading, you know, eye eye movement, just body language, everything. And I, you know, it's something that funny enough I recommend to a lot of people because I think you find out a lot about just human beings. We're so quick to just run through the the day that we miss a lot of these small details that in the grand scheme of things at scale are mm-hmm. some of the most impactful and, you know, just 
a, a way to really be self-aware, I think. And I think one of the things for me is, you know, my, my, my mom always said something, I would either be in politics or sales. I sure as hell was not going <laughs> to pick politics. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't about doing what, what she wanted, but really diving deep into what I really wanted from life. And that took a, a long, long time. And I think a, a lot of people reach out to me on the podcast and saying, well, how do I really find what I'm passionate about? What's what's my purpose? And so I I feel like a lot of people, a majority of people struggle with that purpose, right? Especially where we live in a world where there's so much going on and bouncing around in our lives. It's It's very easy to say, especially when we have this world of, you know, monetization, right? And, and just money making the world go around that people's first step is how do I make more money? Not, well, what really drives me at the end of the day? So you know, for, for you, how does that, how did you unearth that, that purpose or how do you better yet, how do you work with people and say, well, what's really deep down the purpose that you want? What, what is it that, that you're here for? So I, that's a great question, and enough people don't ask it of themselves. Most of us, not most of us, a lot of people, we come from a place of fear. So it's like, how am I going to make money because I have to survive? That's number one. Once I'm surviving and there's some time left over, then I'll figure out what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to criticize that because that's who I was as a young person, and it's very understandable. But I think if you can take some time to ask yourself those questions, like what am I passionate about? And, and when we say, what are you passionate about? I think about what gets you excited, right? And so most people will tell me what gets them excited, but they'll immediately say, but that's not a career or that's not how I would make money, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what gets you excited isn't a career in the sense that I want to be an artist or I know I love to race cars. That's what I want to do. What gets you excited is a way of being. Mm. So I know a lot of, because I was in sales and business development, a lot of people would end up in sales by default. <laughs> it was just mm. a way to make money and maybe easy to get a job. But if you notice, if you work with really good salespeople, what you notice is the top sales professionals, they're all different. They don't follow a cookie cutter approach. What they're doing is they're, they're monetizing, I'll use that word, their best characteristics. So some people are great salespeople because they're really low key. Some people are great because they're just, you know, really direct and, and, and right in there. Other people are more relationship oriented, a little folksy. So it doesn't matter. What matters is that they're being really authentic. They're bringing their best self to the table. Like, what are their, what's their character? What do they value? Because if you bring that to the table, you're going to attract clients who, at least if they don't value and um, have the same character as you do, they're going to appreciate who you are, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to recognize it as authentic. They're going to trust you right off the bat. And that's all you need as a salesperson. You know, you're just really giving somebody information and they're going to make their own decision. So if you can come to it in a way where people feel comfortable with you, that's, I think, most of the battle, if you want to call it a battle, in making a sale. Mm -hmm. So I think that finding your passion is not only what you love to do, but it's a way of being that you love. So one of my ways of being is curious and creative. I can't think of living life without that. I I'm often asked by people that are close to me, well, why do you want to know? You're always asking questions as if I'm a pest, mm -hmm. but I can't help it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I love to do. So I bring that, whether now as a coach, obviously it, it's perfectly suited for being a coach. But while I was in sales and business development, I was always curious and creative. Even with clients that I had where my job was to sell them a product, it it. I was many times I'd just pick up the phone and say, Hey Joe, I have an idea. Remember you were talking about something wasn't working in your marketing. I just read this article. What do you think about this? Now that wasn't part of my job, but I loved being curious and creating with other people. So I just did it anyway. Mm. So I think sometimes it's 
people get confused when they think I, when I have to find my passion, I have to find a specific job to do. I think it's more find a way of being that you just love and you can work that into the current job that you have, which might lead to new opportunities that you didn't even know existed. Mm. Or it might open up, you know, your own mind to saying, wow, if this is what I love, how I love to be, maybe I'd be better suited in some other career. So right. I think it's more about way of being, the way you love to be. Where would that work mm-hmm. that in a is, role? That is perfect. Oh, I, the good. the image that I that I get with this, especially the the word that you used, cookie cutter at the beginning. I think of um, you know in gym the pegboard right where you had to hit each of those pegs yes into the holes in order <laughs> to climb up the wall. One thing that I I find just super interesting is exactly that black and white approach of, well, how do I make a career out of that? And it's not necessarily, well, (laughs) it's not that you need to make a career out of it. It's that what you're interested in, how could you format that with the skills that you had? And the other thing that you touched upon that I love, and I, and I say this a lot is just authenticity. At the end of the day, we're animals. We sense when someone's being authentic. We sense when someone's just being real and honest. And it's funny that you had mentioned that about your curiosity with sales. One of uh, my best sales reps, he is a extremely curious guy. And because of that curiosity, people love him. And on Mm. top of that, he is one of the fastest learners that I have ever met. Um, You know, he works with some of our PhDs and he picks up on things like in the snap of a finger. And so he's always curious, always asking questions, always just getting into the dirt, if you will, metaphorically speaking, with customers. And it's done tenfold for his career his success, his his happiness too, because quite frankly, I think there were a lot of things through his journey that he really unearthed that he was like, oh my God, I didn't even know this about myself. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of just see that through his expression and his being. And so authenticity, this kind of cookie cutter idea, these approaches I think are are so powerful. And I don't think they're they're being not enough people talk about this because I think when we talk about career and success, most people have this idea of, well, how can I make music into a successful career? Or how could I, you know, I'm good at painting or art or whatever. How do I make this into a career? And I think there's there's these categories and then subcategories of like creativity. And then that breaks down into these subcategories. And sometimes our approach is, is just so black and white. So mm. you just hit on something that I think is is super powerful and a lot of people are going to find a lot of value in. So I oh, appreciate that's great. Right. Um, one of one of the things that I find comes up a lot with a number of individuals I interact with uh, through social or in my professional career is this idea of untangling our minds and just our emotions. And let's be honest, our <laughs> minds are extremely powerful. They're very busy. They keep plenty of people up, you know, at night. But you know, I, I think one of the things that I, I'm super fascinated in is whether, again, that be in our professional or in our personal life, how do you approach this this through your coaching and working with executives? What does what does this process look like for for untangling that? Because it's a it's a mess of weeds for for many people. Yes, yeah, so you're absolutely right. So usually when people come for me, come to me for coaching, they don't want to unwind or untangle their mind. (laughs) They Mm. want to get from point A to point B. And that's fine that, Mm. you know, people have a problem and I provide a solution. What they don't realize is that the first step, if you want to get a point A from point A to point B, you first have to know what point A is. Like, Mm. where are you right now? And so, just through a series of conversations and um, really insightful questions, people start to realize that that their their thoughts and their mind is just a jumble of conflicting ideas. They're not really one pointed as to, you know, they say they want to go here, but then they have 10 other things they also want to do and none of them match. They're not congruent. So there's a lot of confusion going on, but people don't normally recognize that they just go about their life and think this is how I do it you know I mm-hmm. I try to do the best I can but the truth is when your mind is so scattered 
and it's not sure or certain of the direction that it actually wants, of the costs and the benefits of going in that direction. Because even if you're, if you, if you're going to get what you want, if you know what you want and you go for it, there's going to be costs. There's things you're going to have to change, habits you're going to have to lose, relationships that are going to have to change. So when most people think about getting what they want, it's all wonderful. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to have what I want. They don't recognize that things are going to change. It usually is for the better, but it's a little uncomfortable to give up familiar patterns, ways of being, people, so on and so forth. So unwinding your mind is about sort of just recognizing all the conflicts that are going on within our own mind. This, and this has nothing to do with the conflicts that are external to us. That's a whole nother discussion. Mm-hmm. But if you can get what's, if you can come to a place in your mind, not so much that you settle the conflicts, you just have to realize that they're there. So it's not about fixing because actually trying to fix even causes more confusion and conflict. You just want to take a step back and sort of watch what's happening in your mind, like watching a a game or a TV show. It's like, whoa, okay, wow, I can see how I do that. And then I say this and that leads to that. So just getting that bit of distance and watching it already takes you out of the confusion a bit, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you can watch it from afar, it becomes very clear Mm -hmm. of what's self-destructive, what's constructive constructive for you. So when I say unwind your mind, I'm really talking about getting some distance from your mind. Mm. And often we think we are our mind and our thoughts, but we are the person or the entity, whatever you want to call it, that's actually thinking the thoughts. So we can Mm. watch them, think them. And when we realize that we can do that, then we have more control over them. Mm. So getting that distance helps you unwind the mind because you can just see it more clearly. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I think there are, we, a majority of us get sucked into that world, right? That, that kind of micro and being able to, to sit, I I call it 35,000 feet to really understand what's going on. You know, a practice that I deploy weekly is just actually reflecting on my days. It is one of the most, I've had some of my best breakthroughs in saying, that's interesting. You pick up those patterns, you pick up habits. Um, There, there, there's so much value that comes from it. And I think especially with, with COVID going on where, you know, people are even pulled into the weeds even more with their lives. And it's really why I've been pushing to actually take a step back. You know, it's, it's funny. I like to go really fast through life and I have over the years really just started to understand how important it is to slow down, to really speed up. I love that phrase, slow down to speed up. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems like such a a contradiction for most people, especially me. I mean, you know, my girlfriend jokes, but I'm always going, but I always make sure to just stop and breathe and evaluate and reflect and in those moments, again, ironically, some of the most productive things happen for me. And it's so funny because you sit back and you're like, okay, but I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this. And it's like, there's just so much you can take away and understand from yourself. And, you know, I I actually did a year, year and a half of therapy, best thing I could have done um, because I exposed my truths and there were really truths that I wanted to, to hear. And, you know, just like I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir with coaching. It's like, you're going to get out what you, what you put in and you highlighted something that I think was key to, you know, I, I see this a number of people struggle with exposing those truths and, and I think that emotion over the years has been kind of combined with this idea or glued to this idea of like weakness. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be further from the truth. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's one of the most powerful things in the world because you can stop for a second and you can be vulnerable and you can be vulnerable in front of someone else that you might not even know. That's power, that's strength. And I think this needs to be a conversation that we need to have at scale with people because it's it's just been suppressed for just so long. 
Agreed, agreed. And, you know, when you can be honest with yourself, so when I hear you talk about that reflective time, I think about that for myself as well as a time to get real with myself. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned COVID and I, along with a lot of other people, felt a disruption when the lockdowns first started back in March. And what am I going to do about my business? Oh my, everything's changed, so on and so forth. But pretty quickly, I realized, once I realized this was going to go on for a while, I said, you know what? Maybe this is a time to step back from my business, what I'm doing, take that second look, you know? And so... I think about that a lot when I think about fear, like how do we deal with fear? So whether it's the fear of COVID or the fear of your business changing or just fear in general, we live in a culture that has a tendency to want to hurry up and let's get through this fear. You know, let me push through the fear. Let me. And so what I realized was that, you know, having courage to, I mean, courage is how you manage fear. Mm -hmm. So what's courage? Well, I think it's three steps. And the first step is really, you have to acknowledge and feel the fear you're fearing, feeling, because if you do, that fear will give you some wisdom, right? It might give you some irrationality. It might, some of it might be just way over the top and not having anything to do with reality, but there could be some little alarm bells in there that you could learn from, or that maybe there's something that needs to change. So when fear, when we become fearful, I think the first thing we should do is really to acknowledge and feel it. Mm -hmm. So it, like you said, you like to go fast and I do too. But what I've learned is when something doesn't feel good, like fear or guilt or shame or anything like that, the best thing to do is just give it a few minutes to feel it. You know, what's this emotion trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. Once I can glean some little wisdom from it in some reflective time. And by the way, when we're being reflective with a negative emotion like that, a lot of it that's irrational or doesn't make sense sort of dissolves mm. when you just give it some space to be. But if there's any essence left that there is something I need to take a look at, you know, then the next step is to really just assess, okay, so I'm feeling fearful in a rational way. There is some things I need to watch out. So how helpful is this information? What can I do with it? And then the third step would be to actually take action on that, which is the courage part, right? Mm -hmm. Courage is actually doing something differently than you normally do in order to get a better result. So I think when you mentioned about, you know, how to manage your emotions and taking a step back and reflecting, I think reflection is the number one thing we should all do, you know? And this doesn't mean all day long we sit in contemplation. Right. I mean, reflection could be 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. 30 seconds, like you said, slow down to speed up. You can slow down for 30 seconds and the next three hours be triple, triple the amount of productivity can happen mm -hmm. because you cleared up one little thing that was getting in the way, that was stopping you, that was your blind spot. Yeah. So I love that you said slow down to speed up. I find it 100% true all the time. I, I, I love that. I, yeah, it's, it's this idea of like pipes in an old house, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, a house from the 18, 1900s the pipes have been used a bit and the pipes have build up on them. And, you know, at some point you need to call in the plumber, plumber cleans out the lines and there you go. You've got your flow back. And I think that, you know, what I have seen and I've seen it in myself over the years and, you know, it's all of this is, and again, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, this constant practice. It's always adjust, adjusting, practicing, adjusting, rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really interesting because it's this pileup effect that happens. You know, we feel, we feel that fear and then we suppress it. And then we try to like hurry up and move on. And then we feel it again, something else, maybe from a different area or maybe similar. Right. And yeah. we try to suppress it again and we try to suppress it again. And there's, I can't remember what film it was, you know, it might've been like grandma's boy, but the grandma, the, the, the grandson was vacuuming and he lifts up the couch and there's like five dead cats under there where the grandmother oh. had just like slid them. <laughs> and, and I know this is a, a crazy analogy here, but it's not going to go away. Yeah, sure, yeah. You, you can't see it. It's not in front of your face. Maybe it masks the smell with this right. thing. But at the end of the day, it's still there. 
and we we have this some people have this habit of of just building on top of it and to, on top of it and i struggled with that a lot you know 5 years ago in december my best friend took his life and oh. i just really didn't want to i didn't want to feel it i didn't mm. i there was a lot of things i didn't understand about it and there sure. were a lot of things that i i was looking in the wrong area to saying how did I not see pain and sadness and suffering from someone that was so close to me? And it's actually yeah. what really, um, it, you know, got me to start the podcast. It was one of the biggest pieces there that I was like, okay, maybe I need to look in a different area. And it took me about a year or a year and a half to really come to that realization because every time that feeling came up, those emotions, the immediate reaction I had was, I'm going to shove it down. I'm going to shove it down instead of to what you said, actually sitting with those emotions and really digesting them and understanding why they're happening. And again, as we mentioned earlier, we're animals at the end of the day, just like we can sense authenticity. We also understand or sniff fear. It's telling us something. And it's, you know, for such a sophisticated species and top of the food chain, I find it super ironic that even dogs understand how to approach these things. But humans, here we are building these crazy buildings and electric cars and cell phones and all these different things. But when it comes to our basic, most, you know, basic uh, instinct of just sitting with those emotions, a lot of people tend to to bounce right away from that. And I was so guilty of that. And you are yeah. so right. Actually sitting it with those feelings and understanding, why is this happening? What is it teaching me? How do, how do I feel right now? What am I getting out of this? And, right. you know, so, oh, that was so good what you said. I, I think that that's, yeah. that's perfect. Well, thank you. And I think, I think a lot more people are becoming self-aware. So they're understanding that, you know, that, you know, once you know yourself in and out, your mind, your feelings, you can deal with yourself better. And that's where all the power is, right? You mentioned practice. So practice is something we are fully in control of 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. right? I'm not in control of the weather. I'm not in control of the stock market. I'm not in control of how other people talk to me. Nothing. I have zero control over that. But 24 hours a day, I have control over, I don't necessarily have control over my thoughts and emotions because they happen, but I can witness them. And then I can choose which ones to follow, which ones to nurture and engage with. I, I have that control and so does every other person all the time. And that's where the power is, mm. right? It's not in being some perfect human being that whatever perfect is that never gets fearful or never gets upset. Right. No, it's managing all the things that are happening all the time. Like being an incredible manager of your own mind and emotions is very, very powerful because then no matter what happens on the outside, that's going to trigger whatever inside of you, you've got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, your feet are firmly on the gra- ground, and no person and no event can shake you, because you're in control of what's happening, mm-hmm. or you're managing it. I don't mean you're in control; you're managing it. You're seeking the wisdom out of it. You're using it for the best outcome, mm-hmm. right? Instead of letting it use you and th- knock you down, you're actually taking a look at what's there. You're being very honest with yourself, and you're using it for the best outcome possible. We all have this ability mm-hmm. and you don't have to go to college you know, to get it. <laughs> yeah. It's just something you, as long as you just witness what's going on and start paying attention, you'll know what to do. You'll, you'll, you'll reap the wisdom for from it. It won't be difficult. Mm. Right. Just like you said, when you started to sit with things, you started to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing that we have this ability that we don't really tap into enough. I don't think. I I, you're a hundred percent right. I, you know, I, I say this thing that everybody has a superpower and mm-hmm. hey, maybe it's public speaking, maybe it's art, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's sales, politics, whatever it is. Everybody has a superpower. But I think the, 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 the piece here is that focus on really becoming an expert in you. You oh, know, wonderful way to put it's, it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so fascinating. we, look to become an expert on computers or musicians. You know, you know everything about Rihanna, but yet here we are sitting and like, 
you probably know more about Rihanna than you do about yourself. And it, it's if we just took those extra those extra moments, that extra time on our timeline to really sit with ourselves and understand ourselves, because it's actually one of the the biggest reasons that I did therapy, like I said, because I wanted to know more about myself. And I knew that deep down inside, really being honest with myself at that point in my life, not really out loud, that I was suppressing a lot. And I didn't understand why. I didn't mm-hmm. And what it meant, I, I didn't understand a lot of that. And being able to be just really sincere with myself and honest and actually head on facing that fear, I, I think was one of the most powerful things for for me in my career and even in my personal life and in just speaking and engaging with other people. And so it's yeah, it's it's super fascinating that we don't spend enough time becoming an expert on ourselves. And I have this, this like mission just to know more about me. Why do I do certain things? Well, how do I approach this situation? And it happens a lot in my professional career. You know, I started, I became a leader fairly young. I mean, what's young, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of things that I found out about myself and how to truly be a leader and what leadership actually meant to me. And I'm still in this like discovery phase and I'll probably be in discovery phase until the day that I die. But that's what's so exhilarating. That's yes. what's so beautiful. That's what's so amazing because I don't know, 75 years in wherever I am at that point in my life, um, I, I'd probably be surprised at some of the things that I discover about myself. And I just, it's amazing when we can just sit and digest really who we are and go into that phase of just discovery again. And I think that there's also this sense of a lot of creativity that's sparked from there because you're like, mm. oh, I did not know that. And now I'm kind of curious what's over there and what I could extract from that or what I could share with the world. And I think that discovery you know, also unearths this this superpower that we have. And I have to say, Joanne, one of the number one DMs I get is, I don't really know what my superpower is. And mm. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of this stems from not getting to know yourself because, and, and it's funny too, and talk, engaging with people, they actually know. It's, it might not be at like surface level, like ding, ding, yeah. ding, Jeopardy, got it. But, you know, it's there. You know, and I, I just, that's so interesting to me. It's so fascinating. Well, I think it's interesting that you said uh, people know, but it's not at a surface level. Like if you really prod them on it, they, they can probably come up with what their superpower is. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to what you said earlier. We don't pay enough attention to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're so outwardly directed on what we need to get, what we need to accomplish, so on and so forth. And I'm all for that because I love to make an impact in the world. Mm-hmm. But if it's not equally balanced with paying attention to what's going on inside of you and what makes you you and why you like the things you do, why you don't like the things you don't, if it's not balanced, then you get lost. Life becomes purposeless. It's not interesting. It's not meaningful. It becomes hollow. So I don't, I'm not an advocate for shutting the world out. I think we just need equal attention directed inward as much as we direct outward. Mm, that you're hitting on so many good pieces because <laughs> balance, I think is, is another thing a lot of us struggle with. And again, it's something that I've been through and it's this constant adjustment, right? Especially, yeah. you know, depending where you are in the country or where you are in the world, when lockdown hit here with COVID, a lot of people struggled with that balance as if they weren't struggling with balance before. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, working from home. There is no cutoff of personal life and professional world. And it was interesting. I was reading a study, you know, this was a couple of months ago that the average employee was working 54 minutes more working from home. And I was like, I'm not surprised by that statistic. I am and and I'm not especially those those good employees, you know, were, the article went on to say, you know, your good employees are probably going to suffer from burnout because they don't have that cutoff of shutting off the lights in the office or whatever, hopping in the car right. or the train or walking home. And so that that word that you said, balance, is so key. And I feel for me, it's this constant, you know, 
refining the, this process of just refining what balance looks like to me because it's not very black and white sometimes, right? Some days yeah. you might need more in the direction of focusing on you and some days you might not need as much. That 70-30 might flip on its head. And going back to the conversation, you know, the comments around control, you get to dictate what that looks like. You know, if it's 50-50, great. It's, if it's 70-30, great. But at the end of the day, you really have the control over that. And I think through all this, you know, these emotions, these the stimulation in our world, COVID, whatever, all of these different factors uh, really play into losing sight over that balance and that daily refinement. And Jeez, balance is just, I get super excited about that one because <laughs> I can easily, you know, because the word, I use this word sometimes and I have it at the beginning of my, my podcast and I need to change it. It's this word, this word hustle. I, I like hustle. it. Hustle, okay. And, and uh-huh. I think it it has its place, right? But I think it's been so, um, it's been overused and I think it's been taken out of context a little bit, right? Because I think when we think of the word hustle, it's like early mornings and staying up late and getting four hours of sleep and you're right. from your eyes, right? There is no balance shoved in there. Yeah. It should be like balanced hustle or- Yeah, I was just going to say like balanced that, right? hustle. <laughs> right, that, that, that's a new word that we need yeah. to start pushing out there because the idea of productivity can mean that it's 70, 30 or the other way around. And right. I, I think that's so important for, for everybody to really focus on, especially nowadays with COVID going on. Yeah, I think balance is a curious word. Most people go right to balance, meaning a balance of time. Mm. If I spend eight hours at work, I should have six hours with my family, so on and so forth. I try to look at balance as a balance of either attention and focus or a balance of energy. So if I'm really excited about something and working on something, I might spend an unbalanced amount of time working on it. Mm-hmm. However, the energy that I'm getting out of what I'm doing is going to increase the quality of my life for the next 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm spending a lot of time, which might look unbalanced, and I'm maybe you know not exercising at the gym or talking to my friends, <laughs> you know it seems so unbalanced, but the energy that I'm getting from it is going to benefit me the rest of the week. So I don't look as, as, you know, time spent was enough time with the family. I look at, am what I'm doing? Is it energizing me so that it's going to make my life better in some way? If it is, then I need this. I can spend as much time on this as I want. There are other activities that are energy draining, right? There's just some things I just have to do and I don't like doing them. Well, then I take, when I think of balance with those kind of have to activities, I think, how can I make this activity more enjoyable or how can it energize me a little bit? Obviously, if I'm doing something I don't really want to do and I'm thinking about how much I don't want to do it and how this is taking, you know, that energy drain is going to be double. If I talk it up a bit, you know, and appreciate and be grateful, okay, if I do this, it's going to make that better whatever, I'm, I'm unwinding my mind around this activity that I don't want to do. And I'm actually creating a situation where I'm getting some energy out of it. Okay, I don't really want to do it. But you know what, I really see the benefit, because by tomorrow, or this will set this up or whatever like that. So I think balance comes from really looking at your energy levels. If it's giving you energy, don't worry about the time or how much is spent on it. If it's draining you, Maybe take a look. Maybe it's something you don't need to do, or you can ask somebody else to do, or you can do less of, or you can find a new way to do it mm-hmm. so that it gives you more energy and less energy drain. So that's yeah. how I like to look at balance. I, 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 I love that because I, I think you're 100% right. I think that the equation comes down to the word balance is combined with time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's this I do this evaluation, the ROI right? That's how I look mm-hmm. at it. It's yeah, yeah. what's my return on my investment with this. Uh-huh. And I don't mean money. We all get, yeah. uh, a lot of people get so caught up in money. No, I don't mean the monetization, the currency of it. I look at 
It's the same way um, I talk about an exchange of value, right? When you're hanging out with someone or you're just, what are they getting out of it? What are you getting out of it? There's a reason you're going out to lunch or dinner with someone. I don't mean that you're sitting down there and calculating the ROI, but (laughs) you really like feel it. And I think, you know, something that I deploy is this ROI and it might not fit with other people. I remember I started working when I was 14 years old and I, you know, I've, that's all that I've known, but I did things that I was really passionate about. So the ROI for me was really high. And there were a lot of people in my circles over the years that were like, oh, you, you work too much. And I'm like, I don't know that your evaluation really kind of falls in line with mine because you're taking the perception of this word work and maybe you're not happy about it or you're not passionate about what you're doing. So yes, if you want to, you know, slide that evaluation over to my side of the table and we use that as kind of the baseline, then yeah, you're probably going to look at it and say, damn, you're working way too much. But if I'm getting something out of it, happiness, you know, fulfillment, you know, gratification, whatever, then for me, that's ROI positive. And I can then commit my energy to that thing because I'm getting so much out of it. And I think it's super interesting when people talk about like this work-life balance. And at the end of the day, it's not working, you know, 80 hours a day at a corporate job in New York City where you're burning yourself out, but really actually doing something when you sit down and say, what am I getting out of this? Is it adding right. to my, my my life emotionally? And just how's my mindset? How's my, my health on this? And what's that? What is that? return that equation look like but I, I feel that you know a majority of of individuals put this very black and white equation on it well if you're exactly to to what you said on this evaluation of just merely time and it's like but that's not an equation that fits all the time because if you're giving your time into something that you're so happy and passionate about it's kind of irrelevant at the end of the day. Sure, there might be a difference on what you extract from an income standpoint, but if you're happy about it, it doesn't feel like work. And I, you know, that's where a lot of, I think people get tripped up. And I just want what you brought up for me when you were saying that is that I have a lot of clients that I work with, executives, that we talk about this and they say, okay, I, I want to spend more time with my family because that's important. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually going to take some time away from work and I'm going to be home with my family. And guess what? They're home with their family and they're not even present to their family. They're thinking about all the things they should be doing at the office, feeling guilty. So the time spent with their family is not energizing, not because they don't love their family. They do, but they can't release or let go of what they think they should be doing. So that time spent with their family isn't even valuable time. So it's about if you're going to invest in your time in either being at work or with your family or doing some recreational pursuit, be there 100%. Mm. In other words, if you're going to spend time with your family, try the best that you can. If thoughts of work or other things come up, just say, okay, I get it. I, I talk to myself a lot. You know, you can talk to yourself and say, yeah, I get that. I have to do that. And when I'm done with my kids at 930 tonight, I'll get to it. Mm. So you kind of schedule it off. Mm. And the whole point, trying to bring you back to the moment, because even if an activity is energizing for you, such as a personal relationship or your family, if you're not fully present when you're there, you're going to get no energy out of it, no value. As you said, a great way to put it. So I think that balance is also when you decide to do whatever you're going to do for whatever length of time, be fully there. Otherwise, it's just a waste. Yeah. You're not, you're not getting any value. Even if it's the greatest thing in the world, you're mm-hmm. not going to get any value out of it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I see living in the moment, being present is mm-hmm. it's not easy for for some people when they have that on their mind you know oh geez right. i've got 26 emails i need to get to i've got five missed calls whatever the case is and living in the moment i it's so important because we're only here for so long we only get right. one shot at this there was um i forget if what the movie was he was a fr- uh, free climber and so no ropes no nothing because wow. crazy it was a documentary on netflix and he said something, I think it was in Yellowstone. It's, I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on it. Um, but it's the biggest <laughs> um, vertical 
uh, rock face. And he climbed this thing with no ropes or anything. And, you know, there was one point in the documentary where he said something that I don't have a lot of friends anymore. And, you know, there was kind of this, this silence and he's like, well, my sport, it's either you have the gold medal or you die. And it was like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> you just like my heart skipped a beat and my hands were sweating and I'm not even climbing this mountain. But he is just so present. And in that moment, there's nothing else except him and the rock and his finger movement and his toe movements. And that just level of being in the moment is something that I constantly strive for because yeah. I will catch myself and just being self-aware that I'm not actually fully in the moment. and being present is super important to actually, you know, witness, you know, your kids, grandkids, girlfriend, husband, boyfriend, whatever. Uh, Those things are just so precious that it doesn't do you any favors and it doesn't do the other person and it doesn't do just your life in general any favors. So that is, that is key. Living in the moment, being present. Yes. So important. Yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to give our mind a bad rap because it wants to come into the present moment and say, I'll say for myself, okay, Joanne, remember, you've got all these other things you have to do while you're busy having fun here talking to Scott, you know, mm-hmm. you got some other things. You, have. you know, I don't want to make our minds the villain. Sure. I try to think of it as like, um, you know, just like a well-meaning friend. Mm-hmm. And I just might say to my mind, yeah, I got it. I'll write it down. I'll make a list. I'll get to it. So instead of arguing with our minds or resisting or being upset because we're that way, make it your your mind your ally. It's a friend. It's like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me, and I will get to that next hour. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. <laughs> instead of going, oh here I go again. I'm not in the moment. What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Everything's fine. It's just how you manage it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I love that, that inner voice that you just painted. Like I, all I can think of is, you know, the, the devil and an angel on your shoulder. Yeah. Like, Hey, <laughs> shut up. I've got this. And then the other one's like, no, give yourself some grace. Yes. Um, I, I think that that's, that's, uh, that's beautiful. That's, that's perfect. Well, Joanne, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast and you're sharing your knowledge your time. Most importantly, I know that's a a priceless asset. So um, where can people follow you? Where can people connect with you to extract even more value than, than they did today? Well, thank you, Scott. So my website is www.readysetmore.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Joanne Von Born, also Ready Set More has a page on LinkedIn, Instagram, Joanne Von Born and Facebook, Ready Set More. So um, I hope you'll reach out to me. And Scott, it's been such a pleasure. And I just enjoyed talking with you so much. I love your energy level. And I think more dialogues like this can only just help people more and more. So thank I, you. I, I couldn't agree. Thank you so much. Thanks again for, for sharing your story, your experience, your wisdom today. Um, I, I cannot thank you enough, Joanne. I will actually... Um, link all of the sources uh in the show notes for everybody okay so great Thanks. follow joanne give her a follow share her wisdom <laughs> share her message at scale uh thanks again joanne thank you scott it's been a pleasure <laughs>